0: And what's going on, everyone? Welcome to Guest Friday on Not Your Average Boston Sports Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Hayden. You can always listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. You can like our Twitter and our Facebook page. Uh, Today on Guest Friday, I'm joined by none other than one of my good friends, uh, Evan Greasing, who is a uh, lifelong avid Red Sox fan, and uh, both of us are very excited about the newest member of the baseball hall of fame uh david ortiz uh evan how's it going
1: hey garrett thanks so much for having me on yeah i'm super excited to be on the podcast today um and even you know really excited as well to talk about david ortiz and um this hall of fame it's been a a fun off season even as we wait for this lockout to end in baseball with uh, with poppy getting elected so yeah i appreciate you having me on garrett yeah
0: absolutely yeah it's a. Uh definitely uh a, a a bit of good news i think just considering the the lockout and everything it's has uh, been hard to stay positive i think but you know this is definitely something that will get uh everyone excited you know specifically red Sox fans yeah i think it's definitely a quite the last like week in new england sports you know with with david ortiz yeah. uh going into the Hall
2: of Fame, and this guy named Tom retired too. I'm sure people have heard about that. Yeah. Um, Uh. So definitely quite the week to be a New England sports fan. Um, And just hoping that
1: the truck can leave for Fort Myers soon and we can get some baseball off the ground. But
2: um, no, definitely lots of Hall
1: of Fame to get us through the the
0: cold days this winter. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, obviously the uh, announcement of the Hall of Fame vote came in last week. Uh, David received seventy seven percent of uh the ballot voting. You need seventy five percent to get in, so you know Evan. It was a uh, it was pretty close.
1: Yeah, it was very close. You know, I was tra- looking at the tracker beforehand, um, the, kind of the week leading up to it, and was seeing he was kind of tracking at eighty three, eighty four, and I was like, oh, I was feeling pretty good about it, but you never know with those ballots that aren't be made aren't made public because some of the more senior writers who tend to a little more, uh, you know, conservative with their voting. So I wasn't mm-hmm. sure if he'd make the cutoff, but um, he did. He hit that over seventy five percent mark, and he is uh, a hall of famer. But definitely kept you wondering to the last minute.
0: Yeah. Um, before we get into David Ortiz, I like just thought of this. What do you think about like, right Do you think all the writers should make their votes public, or do you have do you have a feeling about that?
1: I think they should. I think that. I mean, I guess it is, you know, their business who they vote for, of course. Right, right, But at the same time, when you're representing, like, baseball and you have your, like, it's not like, this isn't like politics or like something so integral to life that you hold with you. It's who you want to be in a, in a sure. sports building. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so like, I think as part of your duty to report on sports and if you're an opinion columnist or something anyway and share your opinion, mm-hmm. um, you might as well have that held to help to test when um you talk about it with your other uh journalists and, and take mm-hmm. accountability for your views yeah what do you think
0: yeah yeah I mean I would agree I mean I think like you said it's you know you're representing the game of baseball and I think you know people deserve to kind of know you know who the writers are, are voting for I mean I think at the end of the day people are going to want to you know the people that want to keep it private probably will want to keep it that way and that's fine Um, but I think, you know, us fans kind of deserve a little bit of that, I think to, to an extent. For
1: sure. And I'm like, was it Mariano or Derek Jeter? One of them, I think it was one person didn't vote for them as unanimous. And like that person never identified themselves or explained why. And and again,
2: they don't legally have to or anything, but it, but it's like, okay,
1: if, all of your other qualified peers are voting for this person. What makes you think that, you know, even as Red Sox fans, that knowing that Derek Jeter and Mariano Rivera, two of the greatest baseball players of all time, what makes this person think that they aren't eligible for a spot in the Hall of Fame?
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so obviously David was the uh, only Hall of Fame or the only member on the ballot that got into the Hall of Fame. Um, obviously it was the last year for a couple of, uh, big names, uh, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Sammy Sosa, uh, Kurt Schilling. Um, I think we'll talk about some of those guys later. Um, did you have a reaction to those guys, you know, being off the ballot for forever now? Because so, it's been 10 years, I guess, that they've been on the ballot.
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's quite the topic. And I, I do have, I've had mixed feelings over time about um, going back one way or another on on their candidacies, um, and it's, it's definitely interesting. What I will say is um, I have heard rumblings, again, <laughs> I, I have no insider information, but what I hear like <laughs> MLB Network and such is that, yeah. um, you know, as the Veterans Committee tends to get younger and tends to have players from our generation in it,
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: that committee could even decide to um, vote in Barry Bonds or, mm-hmm. or Clemens or what have you. So, yeah. yes, they, weren't, they won't will weren't voted in the traditional route to the writers' association, but um, I could see as the as the tie changes a bit, if those those players getting elected in the future.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, I actually I think that's a really good point that you brought up, because um, a lot of people, including me, I didn't even know about the uh, other you know Hall of Fame voting thing. I literally thought that the writers was the only way that you would get in. I actually didn't know about this other thing. <laughs>
1: Yeah. What did you think? Were you surprised that they weren't voted in or did you think that that was going to uh, kind of be the way the cards fell this year as at their 10th attempt?
0: Yeah, you know, it's um, it, it's interesting because um, I think, you know, I think all four of these guys, if you look at their, you know, just their baseball careers, I think certainly they're Hall of Famers. But I think, you know, when you talk about shilling, I think that, you know, character kind of comes into it a little bit. Um, you know, as far as the steroids thing, you know, I think we'll, we'll talk a lot more about this in a little bit, but, um, you know, I think that there can be cases to be made for and against, you know, I think obviously you want to, there are people that want to keep the hall of fame completely clean and, you know, no cheating whatsoever, but at the same time, you know, it's pretty hard to ignore the accomplishments that these guys put together you know, steroids or not. For sure. And I think that, you know, you talk about keeping the hall clean,
1: um, which, you know, in, in proponent, I mean, in, in theory, you know, I'm a proponent of it. it makes sense, you know, playing the game with integrity. Um, but at the same time, you have, you know, three players, especially even within the last eight years who, um, and I mean, you know, people debate about Ortiz as well, but pointing out Ivan Rodriguez, Mike Piazza, Jeff Bagwell, those are all people who, they never again tested positive under the, you know, MLB regulations. Um, but you have Ivan Rodriguez who lost thirty pounds between two thousand four and two thousand five. Once MLB began their formal drug drug testing,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and you have both Piazza and Bagwell, um, who were previously inducted by the uh, writers as well,
2: who took what are now banned steroids before the testing error began. Mm-hmm. So, um, and have since admitted to it. So definitely. Yeah. Some interesting wrinkles, but, uh, you know, quite the topic.
0: And um, I guess not surprised they were left off this year but at the same time just elated that Poppy was uh, voted in. Yeah. Yeah, me too. So I think we're going to, you know, shift into talking about, about, about David. So um, obviously, um, you know, one of the greatest hitters, I think, of all time. I mean, you look at the numbers that he put together – you know, over 500 home runs, you know, also, you know, batted 286 lifetime, which is, you know, nothing to sneeze at. Um, And I think just, you know, looking at the accomplishments, you know, 10-time All-Star, three-time World Series champ, World Series MVP, you know, seven-time Silver Slugger, you know, it's clear that he was very good for a very long time.
1: Yeah, I mean, you look at even his his career with Minnesota you know he wasn't the biggest slugger but even right before he got traded, when he did come off the bench he was starting to show signs of power and then he mm. comes over to Boston in 03 and they and the Red Sox make it to the ALCS that year right. and we all know how that ended but yeah. um, Ort- Ortiz has a display of power in even that series in the ALDS hitting um, you know a clutch double um, kind of started his
2: his time as a clutch hitter in Boston mm. um, and yeah after that the two thousand three and two thousand four was just the beginning
1: of his stardom with Boston. You look at two thousand six, um, you know September twentieth two thousand six hits homer number
0: fifty to tie Jimmy Fox. Yeah, his all time Red Sox record. Next day
1: breaks it off none other than Hall of Fame candidate Johan Santana, who hmm. you know un- underrated, but for sure re- remember he Johan Santana was you know. Perennial Cy Young Award winner, Mm -hmm. um, and Ortiz just went up there next night, hit home run number 51, ended up finishing four above Jimmy Fox in 06, so, Mm -hmm. and that's even 2006, and after that he won two more World Series for the Sox as well, so, um, quite the storied career, and that's just the beginning of what I'll have to say, but.
0: Yeah, um, something I was looking at, uh, earlier, you know, I think you look at the years 04 to 06, you know, those were historic years, um, you know just looking at this earlier through those three seasons where he hit you know over 40 home runs hit more than 40 you know hit more than 45 twice over 50 once averaged 50 home runs per 162 games during those three seasons you know it just tells you just how dominant he was
1: yeah it was it was pretty wild how dominant he was and you look at two he was a a feared hitter, you look at from an intentional walk standpoint in 2006, 23 intentional walks, and he led the league in overall walks at 119. Mm-hmm. He wasn't, you know, he did have his his quite mighty swings where he'd miss, and it looks like he was going to hit one over, and you're like, oh, wait, the ball's in the catcher's yeah. mitt. Um, but at the same time, he had good patience as a hitter and mm-hmm. um, walked a bunch too. So, you look
2: at from a, a productivity standpoint as an at bat, um, you were almost guaranteed that he was going to get on base. Um, when he came up to
1: the plate in those years, you know, 05, 06, 07
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, too. And that's after his, you know, um, his biggest rise started in, in 2004.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, you know, 03 to 07, top five in MVP voting, you know, all for all five of those years, um, you know, it's pretty, pretty remarkable. I think, you know, not only what he did, you know, in those formative years, but what he did at the end. You know, you look at four years in a row, over 30 home runs, and over 100 RBIs in his last four seasons, you know, drove in 127 in his last season, you know, it's pretty remarkable.
1: Yeah, no, you really can't beat that. You know, it's funny, I actually remember in 2005, um, hearing after school that David Ortiz was voted second in the MVP, and I just, can't, I just couldn't believe it. I yeah. was like, what? He was voted second? Like, he didn't, he didn't win it? I mean, of course, that year, Arod won. Also, talk about low numbers in Hall of Fame voting, but yeah. <laughs> um, Arod won the MVP that year. But I remember thinking that Ortiz surely had it in the bag with you know yeah. putting up almost 150 RBIs that year. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, you make a great point. End of his career, still hitting you know 30 plus home runs a year and yeah. driving in a league leading 127 RBIs this last year as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, just almost, you know, almost getting better with age. You know, I, I know around here, we definitely know quite, quite a bit about that oh, yeah. <laughs> with, uh, with other sports, but, you know, you, you don't have to, don't have to say that. I think we all know. Um, I did want to talk about, you know, and we'll probably talk extensively about this, um, is our, you know, favorite memories about Ortiz. You know, now a lot of people will say, you know, the similar things, you know that we'll probably we're probably about to say. You know everyone knows all the all the big moments, but uh, what are some moments to you that stand out that really stand out?
1: Oh, that's a that's a great a great question. And you know, I, I did think about this because I, I figured you were going to ask me as yeah. well. And of course, we have the classic memories. Um, you know, two thousand four, mm-hmm. two thousand
2: thirteen,
1: ALCS. You haven't hit in the record home run in two thousand six.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I would say. I think honestly, maybe. Lockshaw, well, I'll give you two answers because one of them wasn't during his playing days. One of them was after when he when his number was retired at Fenway. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the huge fortune of being there for that game, and
2: it just it looked like like he was crying. He was. You know, certainly
1: emotional looking back on his playing days. And you could just tell, like, what he meant to the city of Boston mm-hmm. at the same time what the city of Boston meant to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was just really neat to see all of his old teammates come out. You know, you have Pedro and Manny, his guys from the 04 team. And then mm-hmm. he had, um, you know, Petey, who he played with longer, Dustin Pejoria. Yeah. Um, I think that was one of my favorite memories of kind of just seeing him be able to take in his career
2: and mm-hmm. recognize his accomplishment.
1: And I think that. This even ties into the Hall of Fame, with you know he'll be able to do that another time um, mm-hmm. this summer when he's inducted into Cooperstown. Right. I would say from a playing standpoint, um, I think I'd probably have to go two thousand four. You know, I was pretty pretty
2: young, but I remember yeah. him still like us being you know down three nothing in that series, and the next night, mm-hmm. it it taking until the twelfth inning, hitting that
1: walk off home run, and I was thinking reflecting on this earlier it's just so interesting to think about what if that home run wouldn't have been hit? What if he mm. would have struck an out then and the Yankees would have scored in the top of the 13th? Mm. You'd have hoped in the last 18 years since then we would have won a World Series, but who knows? Yeah. Um, You know, those moments and when you just, you knew something big was going to happen and oh. he delivered then. So, so many great moments to look back on, but mm-hmm. I'd say those are two of my favorites,
2: both uh, during his career and
1: after. But how about you?
0: Yeah, you know, I think Um, You know, 2013, you know, obviously was a postseason for the ages, you know, the the World Series that he had, I mean, was unbelievable, Um, even for his career, you know, hit 455 in the World Series, that's almost unheard of. Um, But I think, you know, that that game against the Tigers, you know, the game-tying Grand Slam um, was just an unbelievable moment, I remember you know, watching the game, watching the game back at, back at our house. And I think my, my older brother had like gone to uh, watch the game in the basement while we were upstairs watching it because, you know, maybe he was superstitious. And I remember the at-bat and when the pitch is thrown, I hear my brother screaming downstairs and I'm like, oh my God, something crazy must have happened. Um, I just could not believe, you know, just all the, the anarchy that happened he hits a line drive somehow gets over the the wall you know tory hunter goes diving over the over the fence you know the cop is so excited doesn't even care that a player you know may have seriously injured himself um yeah. but that definitely stands out as you know one of my favorite favorite moments
1: yeah i mean that's that was such a moment too and you know that whole ALCS. You know that that was a great Tigers team.
0: Absolutely, um, yeah.
1: And and for the Sox to win that and for him to play such a pivotal role, and you look at the whole trajectory of twenty
0: thirteen too. Um, mm. I think it's it's pretty impressive with the way the season started out
1: with the tragic events at the marathon, and then right. you have, and you have, we we can't go through a podcast episode about David Ortiz without mentioning his um, profanity. His yes. Profane, profane comment where he said, yeah. "This is my effing city." Yeah. Um, you know that was such a neat moment. Even how the FCC didn't find him yeah. for it because you know it just, right. just it epitomized everything. And he he brought the team through that twenty thirteen playoff run. You mm-hmm. mentioned the grand slam, and mm-hmm. then even I'm sure you remember this too. But in the World Series, then when we played St Louis, um, they were down at one point or behind in the series, or there was some. I don't know if they're behind the series, but we're down and late in the game. And he rallied everyone together and gave quite the impassioned speech from what I remember hearing. Um, Just such a big leader. And and that Grand Slam was kind of the the baseball manifestation of that, I suppose.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, You know, I just think that, you know, the the speech that he gave after, you know, they came back from from the, the marathon bombings and just, you know, seeing how much, the city meant to him but you know how much he meant to the city and how much people you know appreciated that and know how much he you know bled Boston you know and I think that's one of the the great things about him is he's you know it's it's often that you know you have athletes that come and go from from cities all the time and cities are just kind of you know part of their career but you know David genuinely loved the city of Boston and I think, you know, really had that special attachment. And I think, you know, that's why you see so many athletes have such a great, you know, attachment for this city because they love, you know, the fans and appreciate the love that they get. That, yeah, you know, we're definitely a little, a little bit spoiled, but, you know, we're uh, definitely fans that I think make a, make a difference in, in players and, you know, David, especially. For sure. I remember thinking of him as like larger than life right? as a kid, like just yeah. this, this figure and in, in every shape of the form. And it was, um, great to,
1: great to watch him play. I think I know where you didn't ask me another favorite moment, but just a funny David Ortiz thing to mention too. I, I'm sure you've heard this too, but, um, Remember when Dustin Pejoria retired a few years back or a couple years ago and um he was talking about David Ortiz and and it was like uh someone asked him, Oh, what what was David's nickname for you? And David Ortiz literally thought that Dustin Pejoria's name was Pee Wee.
2: <laughs>
1: and and Ortiz called Pejoria Pee Wee, like for like eight years
2: straight. <laughs> and then <laughs>
1: And then Ortiz was on the in the on deck circle one day when Pajori was batting and someone yelled, Go Dustin. Or and apparently like Ortiz looked into the crowd. I might be getting his facts wrong, but <laughs> somehow he heard he heard the name Dustin and was like, Who's that? <laughs> and they're like, That's his name. He's oh like my God. what? I thought his name was Pee Wee. Um,
0: That's so, amazing.
1: Just such a such an affable guy and yeah. such, you know, great teams to love and watch. Um and yeah. Yeah, a little off base there, but just no. another fun, fun copy
0: memory. Yeah, but I mean that just speaks to his, you know, personality and his, you know, uh, guy that you know would never really take things too seriously. I mean, I know certainly we have our our moments where David would get angry. You know, mm-hmm. we know we know all about the uh, the the dugout phone in Baltimore, but um, rest in peace. You know, just just a guy that uh, loved loved the game, loved coming to the ballpark, and. You know, his personality kind of, you know, came out in the way that he played. Um, so I think just remembering him as this kind of, yeah, like you said, larger than life personality. And I think, you know, we're both incredibly lucky to have grown up and, you know, watched him and, you know, grown up with him, grown up with the team winning World Series. You know, listen to me, speaking of spoiled, um, but I think, you know, just a tremendous... Person and um, someone that just meant so much to, to the city of Boston. For
1: sure, I remember, um, you know, when I first started becoming a
2: Red Sox fan when I was in Boston. Um, not that I rooted for a team beforehand,
1: but when I first started becoming a Red Sox fan, um, I was like, you know, everyone was, everyone was, and that was in two thousand three, and everyone loved Manny Ramirez. And don't get yeah. me wrong, I loved Manny Ramirez too, but I remember that. For some reason, I just I prefer David Ortiz, and I always liked him. <laughs> and I remember being made fun of one time for preferring
2: David Ortiz. Uh, like yeah. you should like Manny, and I'm like I'm like I do like Manny, but David Ortiz. <laughs> yeah.
1: And uh, yeah, look how that happened out. But
0: yeah, yeah love
2: lo-
1: Loved watching them both, but uh, David, you know, another another type of, uh, of star.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think you know also kind of. Um, you know, redefine the DH position in a way. I think maybe people look at it in a different way, you know, just, I mean, I don't know, may, maybe not, but I think just how unbelievable he was as a hitter and I think was able to, you know, evolve over time, you know, as a hitter. And I think to adjust to, you know, pitching and I think how much pitching had changed from the time that he started playing to the time that he retired um, and I just think it, you know, speaks volume about him as a, a as a competitor. You know that he was willing to put in the work to improve.
1: Yeah, no, you're one hundred percent right. I think there were some some seasons too where he wasn't satisfied with his performance. and did mm-hmm. did go back to the video room and did go back and try to adjust the swing. I remember that kind of towards the tail end of his career. You know, he was still putting up great numbers, but you know, you look at um, like two thousand and eleven. You know, we know what happened that year, but 2011, 2013, and like 2010, you know, relatively lower home run totals for him. And I think I do remember hearing about him, you know, adjusting his swing, trying to adjust to what's going on. So mm-hmm. even though he was a, you know, almost 20 year veteran of the league, always was adapting and changing to the changing um, environment around him. It'd be interesting to see how he'd do in this day and age. I think he'd continue mm-hmm. adapting, not to answer my own question, but.
0: I think I, I think I lost you there.
1: Oh, can you hear me now?
0: Oh yeah. Okay.
1: Um. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think he'd continue adapting if he was playing in this day and age as well.
0: Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um. Yeah, I'd be very. I'd be very curious to see to see how he would do. Um. So I think. Uh, kind of circling back to our, you know, Hall of Fame, kind of the the whole steroid conversation, um. You know, I think it's obviously it's it's complicated. You know, like I said, it's people wanting to kind of keep the the game clean and keep the integrity of the game clean. I understand that, but you know, and I think I talked about this on the podcast earlier in the week that you know I kind of liken it similarly to the way that you know college sports will sometimes you know have a school vacate wins or vacate you know championships and things like that, and I just think it's very difficult to kind of just, you know, pretend like the things that happened didn't happen. So it's like, I think the Hall of Fame in a way is, you know, ignoring what the players, what players did, you know, whether or not they cheated the game, I think is almost irrelevant to a certain extent, because I think it's like, you know, I kind of lost my train of thought there. Um, but it's like, I think having the thought process that, okay, these steroid guys, you know, that anything they did didn't happen. And it's like, that's not really right.
1: Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I'm, yeah, and like, I've heard proponents of, you know, electing them to the Hall of Fame and having some sort of asterisk next to like on their plaque or things like that. And yeah. I guess if that were to the system, it would at least recognize their accomplishments right. and then let the visitors of the Hall of Fame kind of make up their minds about you know what they think of their credentials for example mm-hmm. um but at least then like you're saying would recognize the baseball history piece of it um especially for players like barry bonds breaking the all-time um home run record
2: and um you know this is probably not as significant of a record
1: that other records he's broken but like roger clemens breaking the all-time uh, single game strikeout record in red sox history right um having some of those things in the hall of fame and you know do you ask her? So how do you, mm-hmm. how do you do that in a way that acknowledges the reality, but also acknowledges their accomplishments?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that that's definitely something that that I would be in favor of. Just you know, making clear that it's like okay, these guys may not have, you know, played the game in its uh, necessary integrity, if that if that makes sense. Um, but it's like here, here are the things that they you know still accomplished because it's like with or without steroids, these accomplishments, you know, are pretty amazing. You know, I, I, I kind of understand both sides, but I think that it kind of, for me, you know, and I'll probably end up repeating myself, it's like ignoring history where it's like, okay, these guys did do some incredible things. If you're not putting them into the Hall of Fame, you're basically saying that, you know, the things that they did, you know, don't really matter, which is, you know, not, not really right.
1: For sure, no. So. I think that like, like you said, this is all part of baseball history. Right, right. And, and if the baseball Hall of Fame is a way to, and, and also, having you know been to the Hall of Fame and, and knowing about the, history of the Hall of Fame, it's not just, a place to immoralize players. The majority, right. yes, you, you have the Hall that has the plaques, but the majority of the Hall of Fame is also baseball replicas and right. learning about the history of baseball and. Mm you can't talk about the history of baseball without talking about what happened in the nineties and early two thousands. And those players, some of the most iconic players are ones that yes, do have those stronger ties to steroids Mm -hmm. have been proven to take steroids, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm, I hear you in the sense of if we have those players in the hall in the hall of fame, that would acknowledge, you know, the history of it pointing out their accomplishments as well as, Mm -hmm. you know, talking about the
2: negatives as well.
0: Potentially. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that there is a way that, you know, this can be, you know, rectified. It's just like, I just have, you know, and maybe this is just the negative person in me talking, but it's just the Baseball Hall of Fame is such a, you know, kind of old and kind of a, you know, like a, a sacred establishment. And I don't mean to say that in a negative way, but it's almost like it's, Something that's not evolving, necessarily.
1: Right. If no, that
0: makes sense.
1: Yeah, for sure. No, I think it does make sense. I think there's, you know, we have to, in every way of life, you know, there's been a lot of change. And we have to modernize right. the way things are done. Exactly. Um, and, you know, I think that maybe, you know, with the stuff we were talking about earlier with the Veterans Committee,
2: um, mm-hmm. I think that could be, be a route or at some point if you have you know, a different commissioner who
1: thinks a certain thing, um, mm-hmm. there could be some some change made. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see now, kinda on that topic, like are you thinking on you know, you have the steroid issue then also the character potential issues as well. Yeah. Um, do you think like what are your thoughts there? And I'm not, I'm also not asking even that because I I'm not sure if I have thoughts, but um like you have someone like chilling or, or other Mm-hmm. other people as well. Um, and I'm sure
0: there are also people in the Hall of Fame currently who might have, you know, interesting pasts as well that we don't know about yeah. as much as we do. Yeah. I mean, I think that as much as it's not really cut and dry, I think the steroid thing is a little bit more cut and dry than someone like Schilling because I think, you know, clearly is baseball career by itself is, I think in my opinion, definitely a Hall of Fame career But I think that, you know, there's something to be said for, you know, your character and the way that you handle yourself, you know, both during your playing days or after your playing days, you know, and I think that not to get too political here, but I think that, you know, Schilling did not exactly do himself any favors with his behavior, you know, post career, you know, I'm not going to really get into the things that he said or things that he believes or whatever, But I think that there's something to be said about, you know, people's character. Now, are there people in the Hall of Fame that maybe are not the uh, best character people? You know, perhaps, you know, and does that need to be looked into further? You know, perhaps, but I think, you know, it's it's, it's a little more complex than the uh, steroid issue. Right, it deals
1: with so many more more things it has more nuances to it because right. Right. one is you know then they're both important but one is did this player take illegal drugs to help their performance rather mm-hmm. than you know what is what are these character issues what is considered an issue of character mm-hmm. um et cetera, et cetera. so no i think that that's that's definitely a valid point i'm and i'm interested to see you know how that how that looks in the future i think that one thing I do think, and I think you probably notice this too, like the players who do tend to get elected to the hall of fame, at least as of late are all, or some of them are guys who are known to have
2: like extraordinary character. You mm-hmm. look at David Ortiz, you look at Derek Jeter, you look at Mariano Rivera, you look at sure. um,
1: like Kipper Jones and um, Pedro, John Smoltz, players like that, yeah. you know, ambassadors of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, anyone I left out. I'm not saying he's not an ambassador, but just those are some of the ones that, you know, are the cornerstones and they talk to the media, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I feel like that positive character definitely does sway the balance.
0: Yeah. 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 I think, I think so too. Um, you know, I just will go back to, you know, David Ortiz. I am very much looking forward to that, you know, uh, hall of fame, you know, weekend or, the induction ceremony, whatever that is, it's going to be really, really fun.
1: Yeah. It'll be cool to see him up there with, you know, a bunch of the, with all the other, you know, living hall of famers.
0: Right. And it feels like that's his place. You know, I feel like that's where he, right where he belongs. Definitely does not feel out of place in that, in that, uh
2: in that environment. And I think it will be neat too, to see Pager there and mm. guys that he's played with on his, on the career. Um, at the same time, I'm wondering uh, if there will be
1: anyone else, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else from that those Red Sox teams that might be looking at a Hall of Fame spot. I think, you know, we
0: can debate. I'll come back on here. We can talk about Pejoria's candidacy in a few years. Yeah, I um, think, yeah. Whenever whenever he's eligible. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that for now, you know,
2: getting Ortiz in is, is really great. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. And you know, hopefully by that time there'll be uh baseball being played. No, I'm just yes. kidding. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure they will figure something out before then. <laughs> yeah. I heard today that the, that the league is looking into a professional mediator. Um, yeah. so hopefully at
1: least that means that they're taking it seriously. Um, and hopefully to get some better negotiation done because, yeah. When it gets cold here, I'm ready to watch some spring training on. Yeah, on the TV and yeah. uh, and hear the crack of the bat.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, Evan, thanks for coming on, and hopefully, you know, with baseball, we can have you on again to talk about uh, the socks.
1: Yeah, you got it. Hopefully, we can end this lockout and uh, maybe uh, come on in a little while. We could talk about what the year is looking like or something. Um, definitely, really excited for. Um, for this year and hoping the Red Sox can
2: build off their last, their great last year. And uh, yeah. also excited for, for T
1: sure. He'll be doing his, uh, you know, countrywide tour of his <laughs> hall of fame uh, induction as well. So yeah. um, should be an exciting year ahead of yeah. us in, in all sports, but especially baseball.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I think that that does it for us as always uh, the podcast. You can like the uh, social pages On Facebook and Twitter, you can listen on uh, Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Uh, Have a great weekend, everyone.